This is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Ag Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. A group of 35 Republican senators have signed off on a resolution to overturn an Environmental Protection Agency regulatory proposal on heavy-duty vehicles. North Dakota Senator John Hoven said the new EPA standards will add thousands of dollars to the cost for each vehicle. South Dakota has had a ban on foreign ownership of farmland for years. State Representative Will Mortensen is carrying a bill that would close one loophole to that law. An entity that would be wholly owned by a foreign government or a foreign person, if it was a South Dakota LLC or a South Dakota partnership or a South Dakota corporation, could have entirely foreign owners. And not only would we not know, it wouldn't be illegal. That's the loophole. The South Dakota House Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee unanimously passed this bill with a due pass recommendation. The delay in soybean harvest in Brazil is delaying planting of second crop corn. Brazilian ag consultant Corey Melby says that this is not new. We've seen it every year. It's just that genetics, um, corn ethanol out there, um, precision ag, um, but you know, better genetics. And, and the area keeps expanding, you know, more so in second crop corn than soybeans. So, you know, we go back seven, eight years, Marta Grosso was producing 20 million tons. Now it's 46 million tons. So I guess the point is that even if it is dry, you know, in April and May, we're still talking about a very large corn crop. Melby says the increase in planted area will offset a yield reduction due to late planting. I guess the point is that even if it is dry, you know, in April and May, we're still talking about a very large corn crop. It might not be 46 million tons, but it surely is probably 40 yet. And that's still double of just a few years ago. So the area and technology seems to kind of outrun some of these weather issues that tend to happen almost every year. February is typically the time of year when the pace of U.S. exports begins to slow as the South American crop becomes available. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoop says we are beginning to see some soybean cancellations. While China was, was stepping up their purchases, we also assumed that China was the one that canceled some soybean purchases. And um, that could be kind of the start of uh, what we normally see during February into March as a lot of our previous sales get uh, canceled and China goes to South America where prices are reportedly are about 70 cents a bushel cheaper. And China does have a lot of unshipped grain on the books. You know, there's a big difference between uh, purchases and, and product that's actually shipped. And so the, the product that hasn't been shipped, those are all subject to cancellation because even with the cuts in Argentina production we noted yesterday, there's still over 750 million bushels of soybeans, more crop that's going to come out of South America needing to find a home compared to last year. And so I think there's a lot of the, those Chinese purchases that are on the books have not been shipped yet are subject to cancellations over the next several months. 
USDA's weekly export sales report for the week ending February 2nd shows net old and new crop corn sales at 1.2 million metric tons. That's 33% less than the previous but 12% more than the four-week average. Net soybean sales of 644,000 tons is 31% less than the previous week and 35% less than the four-week average. Net wheat sales of 151,000 tons are 11% less than the previous week and 55% less than the four-week average. Today, the Senate Ag Committee held a hearing to discuss priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau looks forward to working with lawmakers on a possible adjustment to reference price and allocation of base acres for the ARC and PLC programs. One of the challenges that we hear producers express all across the country is reference prices need to be adjusted in order to make that a better tool for them. And we welcome conversations with our colleagues on the Hill about how do we make thoughtful decisions about that. Another conversation that comes up is the allocation of base acres and the fact that in many of these communities where they're trying every bit as hard to farm, base acres don't exist. We don't have a base acre concept in grazing land, for instance, in western South Dakota. During the hearing, USDA Undersecretary Robert Bonney also responded to concerns about the rollout process for ERP Phase 2. The goal in ERP 2 is to make sure that we make assistance available to all those producers, including those producers who, who haven't had access to crop insurance or NAP. And so the purpose here is to provide a revenue-based approach that can broaden the safety net to get all those folks in. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to open the doors up to, to make sure that all of agriculture can take advantage. If at the end of that we have additional resources and we can think about a shallow loss program to, to deal with some of the concerns that I think your producers are raising, we're, we're happy to look at that. Results from soil samples taken last fall indicate a large percentage of acres have damaging levels of soybean cyst nematode. BASF product manager Jeremiah Mullock says over 500 sample kits were sampled last fall. So 75% of those fields um, where we sampled had SDN present with average egg counts at a, a damaging level, um, over 2,000 eggs per 100 cc of soil, which would warrant a grower needing to take action. Uh, specifically, whenever we um, look at, you know, that population in those eggs, you know, over 50% of those samples had an egg level that would um, require a grower to take action and plan accordingly. And farmers can help combat soybean cyst nematode by using a seed treatment. Obviously, growing a resistant variety is still important. Um, adding in a seed treatment like Olivo for additional protection and yield, um, you know, protecting that that nematode from entering the root system and, and lessening that damage and increasing yield potentials. And even if those egg counts are high enough, probably one of those things to consider is, you know, rotating to a crop where cysts are not going to feed and increase those populations. So corn, soybean rotations are an excellent rotation to think about where you, you can reduce that population to where it's more economical and those eggs from SDN actually will decrease and you can think about growing soybeans that following year. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Northern Corn and Soybean Expo is next Tuesday. North Dakota Soybean Council Executive Director Stephanie Sinner says there's a jam-packed agenda for corn and soybean growers. What's sweeter than Northern Corn and Soybean Expo on Valentine's Day, February 14th next week? So. We are going to kick off the morning at 7 a.m. Come on down to the Fargo Dome on February 14th. Grab a 
uh, roll and a cup of hot coffee, uh, visit the trade show, and we'll start the day at 8 o'clock. First topic of the day is fertilizer market outlook with Josh Linville, uh, a familiar voice to many, but a great expert. Give us some insights on what's going on. Uh, then we're going to roll to Dr. David Cole coming in to talk about all these global economic impacts on ag and how it how it really is impacting us here in North Dakota and what we need to be thinking about. And mini sessions have been added this year. New this year is a couple of mini sessions down on the trade show floor. Uh, so uh, talking about uh, noxious weeds, Palmer amaranth, and water hemp challenges. So we'll have Dr. Joe Eichley and his team in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we'll do uh, perspectives on the 2023 Farm Bill. Again, kind of that forward-looking, forward-thinking, what needs to be top of mind for our producers. Talking weather, of course, we're bringing in Eric Snodgrass, always a great presentation. To find out more or to register, you can go to www.northerncornsoyexpo.com. Green Bison Soy Processing, Green Organization Coordinator, Shauna Waterbergen says the byproducts from the crush plant have a lot of potential in the feed market. We're excited to bring a new opportunity to North Dakota to era both farm and ranch producers. You know, obviously our primary focus will be purchasing soybeans. We're going to be turning those beans into a product that we hope to to sell back to North Dakota and keep, you know, grow the beans here and have the finished product here as well. And our animal products that we're going to create are going to be the soybean mill and pelletized hulls, which will both be great feed sources. Waterbergen is looking to secure over 52 million soybeans a year. Typically, North Dakota soybean goes on rail, it goes to the PNW, and it's exported. That's been the market. There hasn't been an end user in North Dakota yet. But as you'll notice, we're North Dakota's first ever dedicated soybean crushing plant and refinery, which will help meet the fast-growing demand for, you know, renewable diesel fuel as well. And the facility is located, we're right in the major soybean producing area, and we have state-of-the-art technology. So we're going to have a giant appetite for soybeans. You know, I need 52.5 million beans a year. So we're going to be out there working with producers, helping them with marketing needs, giving them a new opportunity to source some profit. North Dakota Pork Council Executive Director Tamara Hines says North Dakota's current inventory of hogs is a little over 140,000 head, just a fraction of the national uh, production. So we have a handful of large CAFO operations in, in, in North Dakota. The NAS data says we have about 140 40 odd some thousand pigs. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth for hog production in North Dakota, especially on the farrowing side. Because of the freight constraints that you have with pigs, it's a lot easier to load a truck with the isoween size pigs than it is to load with 280 pound pigs. So that's why maybe we don't see some of the finishing opportunities here in the past that we have now. Um, and I think that's some of that's changing too from not only wanting to have these sow operations, but I think there's some interest in the southeastern part of the state. And Hines says the startup costs could be a barrier. Well, I think right now the high, you know, interest, rising interest rates have been a concern and the high cost of building supplies and the scarcity of building supplies in that supply chain have been kind of a concern over the past few years. But we're seeing, uh, you know, margins increasing for the, for the pig farmer and that's uh, also helped boost some interest in that. And I think the PERS outbreaks that we're seeing in some of the farrowing facilities in neighboring states are... Uh, helping them to look to North Dakota because we have low pig density and low pig population. So, 
you know, we have room. We're kind of like a land of opportunity, maybe the last frontier, because we do have such a low pig density in our state. Fung LTD is reporting fiscal year 2022 fourth quarter net income of $336 million, up 45% from the fourth quarter last year. Full year fiscal 2022 net income is reported at $1.6 billion, down from $2 billion in 2021. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Creating a pre-harvest marketing plan is statistically the most effective way to stay profitable on the farm, according to U of M grain marketing economist Edward Usset. Usset explains there are a few components of a successful pre-harvest plan. Two most important parts, I think, are your price objectives. You start with your cost of production as sort of a baseline, show me the cost of production or better. And I'm, I also put in decision dates, times, and they are clustered in the April, May, June period, a time when you get things priced as long as it's above your minimum. And I choose that spring period because historically that's been a good time to get something done. Not always, but Often, it's a good time to get something done. Pricing tools can also be helpful. The third piece I just barely uh, talked about were your pricing tools, which those are just tools. That's a way to execute it. That's a tactical decision. Should I forward contract? Should I buy a put? That, to me, it's, it's an important to be thoughtful in the choice of the tool, but it's not a marketing plan. It's just a way to execute it. Green Plains Partners is reporting annual net income of nearly $41 million. That's a slight increase from last year. The ethanol company said it faced a challenging environment last year due to rail delays and weather-related shutdowns. Green Plains operates 11 biorefineries nationwide, including a facility at Fergus Falls. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat Minneapolis is down eight and a half cents at nine seventeen and three quarters. July down six and three quarters at nine oh five and a half. March Chicago wheat down six and three quarters, seven fifty eight. Kansas City is down sixteen and a half at eight seventy nine and a half. March corn down six and a half at six seventy two. December corn's down four, five ninety one and a half. March soybeans down three quarters of a penny at fifteen nineteen. November soybeans are down seven and a quarter at thirteen sixty three and a half. March canola is down four fifty a metric ton at. Uh, 823.70 Canadian. April live cattle down 7 cents, 163.62. June's down 27 cents. March feeder cattle 25 cents higher at 186.70. April down 17. And April lean hogs down 77 cents at 83.30. This is the Red River Farm Network.